0: Why is everybody talking about semiconductor chips and why should you know about it? Because your world revolves around semiconductor chips. You wanna know why? You know the car you drive? How many semiconductor chips do you think's in your car? You know at the low, you know what that number is? Not 14, maybe you said 82, 222. What if I told you the least, it's 1,400 chips all the way up to 3,000 and the average chip could be around pennies on a dollar to 50 bucks and on top of that, Because of this challenge you're having, with not enough of these semiconductor chips being made, car manufacturers have changed their lead time from taking three to four months to build a car to 10 to 12 months to build a car. It's such a big issue in that automotive industry that they've said from 2021 to 2023, they're taking 20 million cars Off the conveyor belt, they just can't hit the timeline. And by the way, you know how long it takes to build a chip? Anywhere between 10 to 12 weeks, all the way up to 20 weeks for the complicated chips. And in 2021, you want to know how many chips we built? 1.141 trillion chips. So look, I don't want to give you, you know, information overload just on the intro. All I want you to know is, this is something we have to be aware of because our cars don't run without any chips. And a lot of things don't. And today it's become a political issue between China, Taiwan, US, and many different places. We're going to talk about that today. Okay, so if you value out of this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Okay, so semiconductors, right? I mean, you got better things to be thinking about, but this is something we all need to know a lot about, and semiconductors, it's not about, everybody's always Taiwan, no, no, it's China's the leader, but are they the leader for selling it or buying it? And which chips are they the leaders in? Because there's a levels to this game of level of difficulty. You know, you, you play a game, it's like, I'm playing low level, easy, and then there's difficult like Sudoku, and then there's very difficult, and then there's like diabolical level of difficulty. It's the same thing with chips. So I'll break it down for you where you'll see what products use these chips, and then what countries are building the most, who has an edge, who's a non-competitor, And then by the end, we'll give you some feedback on uh, what this is going to impact the world, whether it's politically or economically. So let's first talk about what things we use semiconductor chips in. Number one, computing. Desktop computers, laptops, servers, tablets, mainframes, supercomputers. When it comes down to communication, smartphones, landline phones, routers, modems, satellite communication devices. Consumer electronics, we use it in televisions, radios, camera, audio players, game consoles, smart home devices, wearable tech. When it comes down to transportation, cars, airplanes, trains, marine vessels, electric bicycles and scooters, healthcare, medical imaging equipment like MRI, CT, X-ray, etc., hearing gates, pacemaker, insulin pumps, lab analysis equipment. When it comes down to industrial and automation, factory automation equipment, robotics, process control systems. When it comes onto to military and defense, missiles, missile control systems, drones, radar, sonar systems, communication equipment. When it comes down to energy, solar panels, wind turbines, smart grids. When it comes onto to financial, ATMs, point of sale terminals. When it comes onto to agriculture culture, precision framing equipment, drones for crop monitoring. When it comes down to retail, barcode scanners, inventory management system. To most of us, we thought it's only cars, right? When you look at this, you're like, all of these different things, I'm not even done yet. When it comes down to science and research, particle accelerators, telescopes, space probes. When it comes down to network and data centers, network switches, data storage. When it comes down to other miscellaneous things, watches, digital, calculators, GPS devices, I'll stop there, I can continue, but you get the idea, they're used everywhere. There's a reason why it's 1.141 trillion chips built in 2021. So look, I've been in the financial industry since 9-11, the day before 9-11, and I've owned stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, crypto, gold, you name it, I've owned it. But the one thing that's very important part of my portfolio all these years is gold. I love having a percentage of my net worth in gold that I have access to in case of many different things. A few facts you need to know about gold. Number one, The gold market cap is $11.8 trillion. Since 2000, the compound annual growth rate for gold has been 9.24%, and during times of high inflation, 3% plus has been 15.35%. Now, those are just some numbers for you, but there's some other benefits to add gold to your portfolio. Number one, hedge against inflation. Number two, results showed recently that 93% of central banks are working on a CBDC. So this means what? That could be a manipulated currency that they own. If you own gold, it's a non-duplicatable asset. You're now hedging against CBDC taking place. Number three, a potential cyber threat. If it happens, you don't have access to your money, you don't have access to your accounts, but you have access to your hard, physical gold. Number four is anonymous. No one knows you have that gold. And last but not least, diversification. That's why we chose to work with our new sponsor, American Hartford Gold. If you have retirement funds that you cannot afford to lose, American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold or silver directly to your door. Also, if you have retirement funds that you can't afford to lose, now is the time to call American Hartford Gold, a precious metal dealer you can trust. They have the finest products, amazing customer service, and a buyback commitment. They've earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Tell them I sent you and they'll send you up to $5,000 worth of free silver on your first order. So click on a link in the description or call 866-939-6984. Again, 866-939-6984. So I want to show you this chart that BCG Consulting from did during COVID because everybody was worried about semiconductors to show where America was leading the way with semiconductor chips in 1990 versus today. If you look at this chart with me, the baby blue, look at the top left of the screen, the 37%, that used to be us's market share of building semiconductors and watch what happened every year every year it got lower and china was at zero percent but if you look at the charts china started going higher and higher because they realized they have to compete in this area and this is projecting that by 2030 China will be at 24% and will be at 10%. But it doesn't really tell the whole story. So now when the average person looks at this, they say, oh my gosh, this is terrible. BCG, you got to respect them. China's taking over with chips. What are we going to be doing? They have to explain. There is a levels of difficulty to chips. So did China commit to building the easy chips or the hardest chips? We're going to learn that today. By the way, Carly Fiorina, who was a former... CEO of Hewlett-Packard, and she ran for president, said the following about China. Although the Chinese are a gifted people, innovation and entrepreneurship are not their strong suits. Their society, as well as their education system, is to homogenize and control to encourage imagination and risk-taking. Because in a communistic society, you don't create things. You can steal other ways of people are doing things, but you don't create it. So innovation, it doesn't... Why should I wake up in the morning and innovate something? There's no incentive for it because that's not the system that they have in China. So what does all this stuff have to do with America? Here's what it has to do with America. President Trump and Joe Biden, if there's one thing they're both on the same page with, where Biden pursued President Trump's ideas, is semiconductor chips. Let me tell you the backstory of this. In 2020, recommendation of President Trump's national security team, Representative McCall, first introduced the Chips for America Act, again in 2020, alongside Representative Doris, Matsui, a Democrat from California, Senators John Corrin, Republican from Texas, and Mark Warner, another Democrat from Virginia. This bill was signed into law August of 2022 under Joe Biden. So it started under Trump, but got into law under Joe Biden. This has nothing to do with Democrat or Republican. They both realize we have to compete in this space. So the whole idea behind it is that it makes nearly a $53 billion investment in US semiconductor manufacturing research and development and workforce. The law also creates a 25% tax credit for capital investments in semiconductor manufacturing. Okay, so let me give you the timeline of what happens from October 2022 Till today. First, the U.S. imposed new export restrictions on advanced semiconductors and chip manufacturing equipment to prevent American technology from advancing China's military powers. Okay? Export? We're not committed to that because we're making them stronger. Two, the rules require U.S. chip makers to obtain a license from the Commerce Department to export certain chips used in advanced artificial intelligence calculations and supercomputing technologies for modern weapon systems. Then restrictions were designed to slow China's military advance and prevent it from developing advanced technologies that could be used for military purposes. The rules will also allow the U.S. to block foreign-made chips that are manufactured with U.S. technology. This prohibits U.S. citizens from supporting China's advanced chip development. Commerce Department defines U.S. persons to include U.S. citizens, permanent residents, people who live in the U.S., and American companies. Dane Chamorro, Washington, D.C. based head of global risk and intelligence at business consulting firm Control Risk, said the technology is nothing without the people there to make it work. For many senior executives at Chinese companies, the rule will likely force them to decide between their jobs and their U.S. citizenship or permanent resident status. Obviously, you're kind of cornering them to make a decision. It's a power play here. The restrictions have had a significant impact on China's semiconductor industry. China is the world's largest consumer of semiconductors, but it produces only about 15% of semiconductors it uses. The US restrictions have made it more difficult and expensive for Chinese companies to get semiconductors they need. The restrictions have also slowed China's development of advanced technologies. For example, China is developing its own AI industry but advancing chips are critical for ai development and the u.s. restrictions again have made it more difficult for chinese companies to get the chips they need this is why the restrictions have had a significant impact on china's semiconductor industry and its development of advanced technologies so in other words four different things this had an impact on china number one slow china's military advances number two slow china's development of advanced technologies such as ai number three increase the cost of semiconductors for chinese companies and number four disrupted supply chain and caused semiconductor prices to increase. So, now that brings us to May of 2023. Here's what happens. U.S., Mexico, and Canada gathered in D.C. for the North American Semiconductor Conference called the NASC. Then in June, the Netherlands implements export restrictions on advanced semiconductor equipment amid U.S. pressure to cut China off from key chip-making tools. The Netherlands, which is the home to one of the most important semiconductor companies in the world called ASML, Advanced Semiconductor Materials Lithography. ASML makes machinery that is required to produce the most advanced chips. Remember earlier we talked about there's levels to the chips? This is a part where Netherlands has an edge because they know how to produce some of the most advanced chips in the world. China doesn't have this. So while China is amongst the top semiconductor producers, it is not capable of producing the most advanced chips. So this brings us to July 2023 where Japan aligns. With U.S. restricting 23 types of equipment, machines that deposit films on silicon wafers to devices that etch out the microscopic circuits of chips that could have military uses. And in August of 2023, President Biden banned U.S. investment into certain China tech sectors that develop or produce semiconductor manufacturing, AI, machine learning, and quantum computing. This ban prohibits private equity and venture capital investment flowing into sectors that President Biden said helped Beijing gain a military advantage. The development of more sophisticated weapon systems, breaking up cryptographic codes, and other applications that could provide these countries with military advantages. The Biden administration argues that China is using U.S. technology to develop its military capabilities and to undermine U.S. national security. So this is very important because for, for, for the longest time you would hear these big you know, uh, private equity guys or investment bankers or hedge fund managers talking about, we're making investments into China because China's the future. All these economists will talk about China and how much foreign money was being invested into China. So if you look at this chart, look what it shows us. This is China's state administration of foreign exchange. So look at the black bar. That represents the net foreign direct investment into China, this is from 1998, pink is the outbound. So outbound, money they're sending out, yellow is inbound, money they're receiving. Look what it's looking like. It goes all the way up, it peaks in around 2013, and then all of a sudden, if you come to today, look at the black bar, you'll notice it is the lowest it's been since 1998. You know what this means? People are no longer investing in China the way they used to, because they don't trust the government anymore. This is very, very big news because it's not just America against China, it's the world against China because they're learning about their motives. So now, the reason why that's important, because if people don't want to uh, collaborate with them and they don't make the expensive types of chips, where are they going to get it from if no one wants to give it to you because they're worried about you? That's a very problematic foreign policy they're going to be struggling with here very soon. So let's take a look at what chips they make, a little complicated, but stay with me. We're going to learn through this together but you'll see where China leads and lacks on this chart. So this chart here is from the percent of global supply. This is from Bloomberg, 2021. It's the market share of global semiconductor supply by subsector and country in 2020. So if you look at the colors at the top, you'll see US in blue, Taiwan is yellow, Korea is orange, Japan is red, China is burgundy, and Europe is green. So now, then you see the charts. See to the left where it says subsector tech level. This is the level of difficulty, okay? So OSAT, which is a outsourced semiconductor assembly and test, it's a manufacturing vendor, provides third-party IC packaging and test services. Guess what? Lowest level of test. It's not that difficult. Anybody can do it. China spend their time building what is the easiest thing to build. So what are Fabulous chip makers? These are companies that produce semiconductors for use in various electronics, digital cameras, smartphones, new technology, sophisticated smart cars. Fabulous means that the company designs and sells the hardware and semiconductor chip, but does not manufacture the silicon wafers or chips used in its product. Instead, it outsources the fabrication to a manufacturing plant or foundry. Examples of companies that do this, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, AMD, and others. If you look there, US is leading the way more than 50%, more than 60%, then it's Taiwan, then it's China, and nobody else. But if you go to IDM, notice China's not on that list, and IDM, you ready? This is the difficult type of chips to make that companies like Intel, Samsung, and Texas Instruments produce. This is an integrated device manufacturing, IDM, a semiconductor company which designs Manufactures and sells circuit IC products. Look what China is there, non existent. US, pretty much 50%, Taiwan, very small. Korea comes in here, South Korea, and then Europe shows up with the green. Remember earlier we talked about Netherlands? This is where you see the green, Europe. Then we go to Foundry. Foundry model is a microelectronics engineering and manufacturing business model consisting of a semiconductor fabrication plant. So for example, foundries are global foundries, TSMC, UMC, these are the types of companies that specialize in foundry model. If you look at U.S., this is the least area that U.S. doesn't remember. The level of difficulty for this is very high. Then yellow is Taiwan. This is where Taiwan dominates in this section. Then you have Korea, then again China, small Europe non-existent. And then when it comes down to the materials, you'll notice materials here, it's pretty much evenly through. Uh, In this area, Japan leads the way. Then you have US, then it's a bunch of different uh, companies. And then for equipment, US is leading the way. Then you go to Japan, then you go slightly China, then Europe here is doing what they're doing. So so if you look at this, listen, we're all learning new words here. I'm not in the semiconductor business. I'm just realizing this is happening. We need to learn together. Here's what you'll notice. Everybody here on this list, except for China, They're all allies. Remember, enemy of an enemy is a friend. There's a lot of guys here that are allies to us. They're not even enemies. They're all allies. But for China, none of these guys want to do business with them. They're pulling money out. This is catastrophic for China. This is not good for them. So now, let's talk about sales to see where sales rank with US and other countries when it comes down to semiconductors. If you look at this chart from CSIS, they did this study in 2022. This shows semiconductor sales by country in billions in 2021. Here's what you'll notice. US, number one in the blue, 46% of it all is with US. Then it goes second, South Korea, 21%. Then it goes to Japan, 9%. Taiwan, 8%. And if you even put the rest of the world at 9%, last place here, China, 7%. So it's important to know and remember, remember during COVID where we're like all freaking out over chips. oh my God, we need China for semiconductors. And everybody went to China and then kind of, we realized China was using that as a way to bully everybody. It's kind of like not a good feeling. And if you treat customers like that, like they desperately need you, they're not going to forget that when they no longer need you. Look at this chart here, okay? This is from Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, okay? U.S. Census Bureau shows the share of total U.S. trade. If you look at the colors, blue is Canada, green is Mexico, red is China. Obviously, if you go back to the 90s, China was last, then it was Mexico, green, then it's Canada at the top. Come all the way down to 2020 when COVID happens, China drops. Once US tariffs on China exports announced during Trump, if you remember when Trump put those tariffs on exports, boom, they took a hit. It went all the way down. Then COVID happens. The US is like, oh my God, even with these tariffs, we need China. Look at what happens to red with China. Boom, skyrockets. But then even after COVID disappears, we gradually move away from China and we start going to Mexico. Out of all the places, Mexico? Yep, Mexico. This was again not a good look for China. So so this next part is going to get a little bit more complicated, but I'm going to simplify it. If you want to read all of it, we'll put the link below for you to uh, study the research that they did. But here's what it is, the value chain, the process of building a semiconductor, right? So some may do one part, but not all the other parts, and they kind of work together. So let me break this down for you. So the simplified depiction of the semiconductor value chain, first you have design. This is microprocessor design, which underneath it, you'll see design software, electronic design automation, and then you see intellectual property, right? License arm architecture. That's number one. Number two, you have fabrication. This is process wafers. That's when you need materials and chemicals, raw silicon wafers, and neon. And by the way, a lot of neon. You know where most of neon's produced? In Ukraine. Believe it or not, Ukraine has a lot of neon, right? And manufacturing equipment, lithography tools. Remember earlier, we talked about that company in Netherlands, lithography, Netherlands, that's kind of when this is being produced. And last but not least, you have assembly and test, which is package microprocessor unit. So forget about having to learn all this stuff. What we want to do is, who are the biggest sellers and buyers of all of this? Whoever is the biggest seller has the most control. Whoever is the biggest buyer relies on everybody else. Guess if you were to guess, who's the biggest buyer? And who's the smallest seller? Wait to see this chart. Let's take a look. All right, so let's take a look at the total semiconductor manufacturing equipment sales and purchases 2021 in billions. Look at the seller's color. China is green. North America is blue. Japan is baby blue. The rest of the world is purple. South Korea is yellow. You see the smallest color there, green? What is it for sellers? The smallest one is China. Look how small they are in sellers. But look how big they are when it comes down to buyers. They need it, but they don't know how to sell it because they don't know how to produce it. The biggest seller is US, great. Then it's rest of the world and Japan tied for second. And obviously, you know, second to the last is South Korea, then China's last. Biggest buyer, China, then it's Taiwan, then it's South Korea. Then it's Japan, rest of the world, and North America, okay? So now let's break it down. If we go to wafer fabrication, equipment, sales, and purchases, here's what you'll see again. The smallest seller, China. Look how small it is. Again, they, they don't have leverage here. Then it's South Korea. Then it's Japan, then rest of the world. Then U.S. dominates in the area of selling. Biggest buyer, China, then South Korea, then Taiwan, Then it's everybody else. Then if we look at assembly equipment sales and purchases, again, different categories. If you look at the biggest seller here, it's the rest of the world. Look how small China is. Zero, pretty much. Then you got Japan as the second largest and everybody else. And by the way, US is not big here. They're small when you look at this. But they're a very small seller and they're a very small buyer here. And last one, remember the whole test equipment and that whole process we looked at? This is the third step. Testing equipment sales and purchases. Biggest seller is Japan. North America is second, rest of the world, South Korea, you can't even see China there. (laughs) Look at China. Can't even see them. By the way, biggest purchaser here is Taiwan, then China. So a few takeaways when we're going through these numbers together, you're going to have your own thoughts. I'll give you mine. China's in trouble here. So one, I sit there and I realize, okay, things are not as bad as the rest of the world thought when it comes down to this. Two. China has to be friendly. China has to come and be nice to you, because they don't have leverage. If you look at the game of leverage, China does not have it here. The rest of the world does. So China has to be nicer. But it's kind of confusing when it comes down to China, because China just a couple weeks ago said, hey, Apple, no more iPhone, government employees can't use iPhone, they're banned from using iPhone, to the point where Tim Cook had to go meet with them and say, guys, what are we doing? We've been partners for a while, but China's not dumb. China's saying, yeah, we're really partners. Really partners? Yet you started producing your phones in India, and you're making your phones over there. Hey, what happened with the phones you're building in India? I hear they're warming up, and they're getting too hot, these iPhone 15s. So remember, this is our leverage game. China's going to use that. So China's also not playing the, oh my god, we need help. They're acting like they're totally fine, under control. Why? Maybe because they're thinking what Russia did with Ukraine. Maybe they can invade Taiwan. And if they take Taiwan over, this is not gonna be a problem for them. They'll show up on the leader's bulletin like this if Taiwan's under their regime, and this is one of their strategies. But it's not as easy as you think it is. It's very complicated uh, for that to take place. A lot of people think it's gonna be just as easy as what Russia's trying to do with Ukraine. It's not, it's more complicated than I will do a video on it. But the best thing about this whole thing is the world really learned a lot about China during COVID. When we learned what they do with power, they bully people. And partners, when you negotiate with them, I learned this a long time ago, you can negotiate hardcore with somebody and win 90-10, but they'll never do business with you again. Or you can negotiate with a partner and say, listen, you gotta make money, I gotta make money, but you'll do business with them forever. China showed during COVID that their style of negotiating is bully style of negotiating, and the world says, we don't like your style. So they're in a rough place. Maybe they get rid of Xi, do not be surprised. Because they need to bring a fresh face to say, hey, I'm about diplomacy. Let's make this work. Let's build some relationships. That's sometimes what companies do when the CEO's was a little too powerful and strong. they got to bring a new one to say, it's a fresh face. Let's make this work. So anyways, we don't know if any of this stuff will be taking place. But all I know is when you look at these numbers, it doesn't favor China. By the way, if you got value out of this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. There's another video we did on China called the China's Economic apocalyptic situation, Darren. If you've never seen it, click over here to watch it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.